The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. In the next hour, you'll hear from some phenomenal people and healthcare leaders and learn how their challenges became opportunities. Our goal is to show you how you can positively influence your own life experience and purpose and achieve success. And now, here is your host, Danielle Delaney. Hi, and welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. This is Danielle Delaney, and today... The spotlight is on my guest, A.J. Benza. Welcome, A.J. Hi. Hi. Great to, good be to have you. Great to be talking to you again. It's been a while. It's been a while. Now, let me introduce you. I'd like to introduce you here. <laughs> A.J. was one of the most celebrated and feared gossip columnists in the New York Daily, Daily News in the 1990s. That is pre-TMZ, people, before Harvey there was A.J. Benza. In 1997, A.J. got the call that changed his life and ripped him away from the nitty-gritty Greenwich Village streets. It was a call from the fledgling E! Network in Los Angeles, offering him a weekly TV series that would give light to the scary underbelly of Hollywood's Walk of Fame. That show was Mysteries and Scandals, and it quickly became a top-rated hit that went to air 172 episodes across five years. Though Benza never, ever uttered the show's now infamous catchphrase and only really said it once on a network commercial, fame, ain't it a bitch, which I love, it has followed him around to this day. And it's been a hard fact that AJ's had to accept more than a few humbling times in his career. For four glorious weeks in 2001, he hosted E's first ever late night talk show, AJ After Hours, when the show was unceremoniously canceled with Benza on the set and ready to interview Chris Rock. Um, a network had intervened and stopped taping. No real reason was ever given. Just network baloney, as far as we know. And that's an AJ on a three-year storm of depression, anger, and addiction of every kind. It wasn't until he married his wife, Lola, and drowned himself in the birth of his children, Roxy and Rocco, that the storm clouds broke. It wasn't like he ever stopped working, though. So... Uh, he's written two memoirs, Fame, Ain't It a Bitch, and 2015 Amazon bestseller, 74 and Sunny, and appeared in numerous films, including Ransom, Conspiracy Theory, and a starring role in Rocky Balboa. Currently, AJ just executive produced So Be It, the letter B, based on the best-selling uh, book, and he's been back on the tube doing what he does best now, hosting Case Closed with AJ Benza, Saturday nights, 10 p.m. on The Reels Channel. So some 20 years after you've warned us what a bitch fame can be, AJ, Case Closed <laughs> also deals with infamous and unsolved deaths that took some of our very brightest stars away from us. And having lived and played here for 20 years, AJ, you say you've seen it all and you're overqualified for the job, and I do agree. So tell me, <laughs> it's great to have you, and I want to hear a little bit more about it. Can you tell me, I mean, can you believe they gave me a show, but I want to hear about uh, how how you ended up getting into this business in the first place, into the media world. I, I can believe you have a show. Absolutely. You've always been that <laughs> kind of person who takes, takes the bull by the horns. You like to discuss things. You like to help people. So you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Me, Thanks. when people die, they call me. When celebrities die, I get the call. And uh, for some wow. reason, my name has been attached. Oh, my voice is attached to, uh, you know, a lot of death and a lot of scandals in Hollywood. And I, I love it because I'm a big fan. I came out here. I was a little boy and I wanted to be in movies and in TV. And it manifested itself and it happened. And I'm here. So I'm exactly where I want to be as well. So I, I'm not going to complain. Everything's good. No complaints. That's what I like to hear. As a, as a yeah. crisis counselor, that's a fascinating word to hear. No complaints. I love it. I love it. Good to know. Good to know. Now, we yeah. have so many people and so many things in common. So before we really kind of delve into what Hollywood can be at times, which is kind of a, a secret, scary underbelly that some people don't know about that I'd like you to tell them yeah. about, 
remind me about how we met decades ago, because I had a brain injury since then. Some of it's just sort of a blur, a blur and then some of it was my wild days, and, and so it's a blur. Yeah. Fill me in. When did we meet? When did <laughs> well, we start? <laughs> my brain is fine, and I can tell you that, uh, <clears throat> well, it's got to be, it's probably 15 years ago in the midst of my insanity, uh, running around doing everything I wanted to do with every woman I wanted to be with and enjoying every extracurricular activity I could find. <laughs> I happened upon a, I happened upon a club. It's actually, actually, it was a club called Moomba on Robertson. It was Moomba. It was, it was, it was Moomba. Moomba and it was, yeah. And it was like the only straight club in a one square mile of gay clubs. And, uh, <laughs> I was in there and I saw this girl who looked, astonishingly like Janet Jackson. And uh, <laughs> you fascinated me, and we kind of stared at each other a couple of times, and then I went over to talk to you. And you, I mean, the, the line you fed me was, uh, I've never heard it since before. It's amazing. <laughs> but you literally said to me, and you knew me for about a minute and a half, you said to oh, me, no. uh, you said, go start a bath. I'll meet you at your house. Start a bath. Wow. Wow, I was fearless. <laughs> I guess I was... Maybe I'm just like my father, too bold, as maybe Prince would say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I was that well, kid, but th those were the wild days. We were both wild children, sure. and that sure. takes me back. I had entirely forgotten what the actual story was. God, I was, I was bad, but I'm sure well, it was fun. fun. Listen, you, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. There are people you meet in this town when you run around, and maybe your wits aren't completely with you. And it does get fuzzy, obviously. Um, it's hard enough getting old, older, but, you know, when you have other things in your system, it can really cloud things up. But you are one of the people I really remember. We haven't spoken a ton of times in the last 10 years, mm -hmm. but we've now with Facebook and Twitter, we can pop in and say, hi, how you doing? But we haven't sat down really a terrible amount of time. So it's, it, you really did stand out. So I know we made some sort of difference oh. in each other's lives. Well, thank I'm happy you. About that. Thank you. you. Sure. You stood out for me, too, so I'm happy about it, too. I, just, I didn't remember the details since this decades, but I, <laughs> I know I was watching, and I, I concur. Now that I, now I think yeah. about it, you're absolutely right. <laughs> now, let me know a little huh. bit more about yeah. the show you're doing, because these Hollywood mysteries and scandals that you used to talk about, used to, I'd be fixated on right. when I watched on E. And now on Reels, mm -hmm. I'm kind of fixated on the case closed with AJ Benza. I just, which, which story, tell us a little bit about one of them, because people aren't aware of how much goes on here in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, that is not the glitter and the glitz and that there really is the seedy underbelly. And we'll get into it. It almost yeah. got me killed. So yeah, tell, well, tell me know, one of the ones that really fascinates you. I guess these the, 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 the eight shows I just completed now are fascinating to me. The ones that deal with younger stars, younger celebrities, the, the deaths of Brittany Murphy, the deaths of Tupac and Biggie. Uh, mm -hmm. OJ, the OJ murder is fascinating to me because I made my career, among other things, on the OJ Simpson uh, murder cases. But I, wow. the first go-around, when I, when I worked at E!, uh, the murder cases I spoke about on Mysteries and Scandals were largely about older celebrities in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, and 60s. Now, having known Brittany Murphy, having hung out with Tupac, and, and been next to O.J. many, many times, it's, it's a little closer to me than I would rather admit. And the, the scary thing is mm. folks who die of drug overdoses and just wild lifestyles, I've been able to really say, wow, I've done a lot or many things that these people have died from, and I'm still mm -hmm. here. So what's the, what is, what's the difference? It starts to get you real philosophical about why I'm yeah, here yeah. and not, you know? True. So that's the part that really is, like, eerie to me. But, I, but maybe, maybe it's there for a reason. Maybe it's, uh, it's to tell me you're lucky, you're, you, know, you got out of it in time, and you could have been swallowed up. It's all about meeting the wrong people. A lot of people come to this town expecting to be movie stars overnight. They think there's a shortcut. There ain't no shortcut, man. You got to put your ten or twenty thousand hours in. You got to put ten years in this town before you quote unquote make it, and that's the truth. Right. There's no overnight success. People think they're just overnight successes. And those of us that have been in that business for years, I was also an actor in a former life, and now working with crisis and interventions and all of that with addiction, you're absolutely right. Mm. The, the difference is either chance or timing 
or luck or crossing paths with the right people or the wrong people or realizing, uh, you know, I, I was kidnapped and almost murdered and that was my turning point and it was time to stop right. staying so long at the party. And not that yeah. it's to blame the victim. I'm certainly not to blame and neither is any other uh, victim of violent crime or survivor of crime. But it's, it can be, mm-hmm. you know, who you know and who you're spending time with. And out here, you, people are not who they seem to be sometimes. And, you know, it's that whole things are seldom what they seem. And skin yeah. melt masquerades as cream, I think, is the, the old thing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, it's right, It's happened right. to people we know. It's, I mean, let's talk about oh, Lana yeah. a little bit. Lana Clarkson. Yeah. And the... Tell, tell me what you know about that, because I think I know everything, well, but tell me what I you know. I was coming, Lana Clarkson, of course, was the, the actress who was murdered by Phil Spector, or allegedly murdered yes. by Phil Spector in his house. Yes. I, uh, you know, I used to come to L.A. in 94, 95, before I moved here in 97, and I met Lana. She was introduced to me by a woman who ran some nightclubs, and, uh, you know, backstage, we probably, I'm sure you know Pumpkin Pie as well as I do. Yes, yes, parties, I do. You know, so you can't avoid not liking Lana. She's six foot tall. She's a blonde, kind of a, she looks like Wonder Woman. In fact, she played a character similar to that, but kind of a Xena the Princess Warrior character. But Lana was just a great girl, a guide girl. We ran around together. She was the first girl I would call when I landed in L.A. Usually we'd wake up with her the next morning, too, to be honest with you. But we were consenting adults. And then, you know, years later, her career was on a downslide. And that's, you've got to be able to... To, to withstand the down times in this show business career. And when yes, it was it down, is. she was really down. And she, I would imagine, not knowing exactly what happened, I think she probably, she ran to Phil Spector at the House of Blues. He might have said to her, hey, I'll get you out of here. I'll give you a job as my personal assistant. I'll give you $80,000 a year. Whatever it was, she went back to mm-hmm. her house, And then we find out there's a gun in her mouth and it blows her mouth open and her head open and she's dead. And it's just, it happens so much more than you think. Maybe not as, uh, maybe not broadcast as much because Lana was somewhat of a personality and still is a superstar. But so many people who come to this town are on the fringes of making it, and they suffer the same fate. But it's just not in the headlines. It's buried. But if you check the police blotter, yeah. you're in there. Like, you're, you're not kidding. I mean, it's it's really wrong place, wrong time. I work with them. With the SART team, it's Sexual Assault Response Team, as a first responder with, uh, with violent crime for years when I was training as a crisis interventionist and a rape counselor and a, and a chemical dependency counselor. And they would tell me, oh, we'll have four or five of these cases by the, or by the end of the weekend when I would tell them about my oh, case or God. when they pull up my record. Yeah, and I'd say, you've got to be kidding me. And it's the Sunset Strip. It's, the, it's these Hollywood clubs. Yeah. It's all the places that we used to go. And I feel too old for the room now. I'm not, I, don't entertain, I don't entertain any of that. I, you know, I can get invited to birthday parties at those places, and I say, you know what, I'll take you to lunch instead. I'm not comfortable yeah, in that yeah. environment anymore. I'm 47. But it's just uh, it's one of those things that when you look back, I, I loved Lana. She was a lovely girl, and she just, yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, it, people misunderstand what that is. And uh, I was actually on the mock jury for the oh, trial really? wow. because yeah, oh. cause that was almost a decade ago. And back then, yeah. remember actors would do these mock juries and focus groups. Yeah. They did kind of anything yeah. to survive in between gigs. And, um, I know. Yeah. and they would feed you, you know, they would feed you and you get to sit in on oh. a case. I had no idea what case it was till I sat down. So I actually had to look at the photo wow. and I asked if I and, should and leave. And they said, at, absolutely wow. not. And she's your friend and you're looking at photos of her dad and she's your that's the, the thing about, you know, I left New York, and New York's known for being open till 4 a.m. or later. You can stay at the nightclub or the restaurant till 4 o'clock in the morning. And people depict that town as scarier because in L.A., the restaurants close at 1 or 2, and you've got to go home. The truth of the matter is most people, and this is about girls more than guys, most mm-hmm. girls at that hour, they're not done with drinking. They're not done with having fun. And they want to extend the night. Now, normally in New York, you go to bed. In L.A., you look for someplace else to go, and that place is normally something, a house, a club, an after-hours joint belonging to some powerful people or some people mm-hmm. you don't want to be around too much in the daylight. This is, this is vampire people in L.A. that I was a part of for a while. I would literally set my alarm, not go out, set my alarm at 2 a.m., and then get up and go out for the next four hours. Wow. And I met some people. And I met some people. I was doing the black after-hours clubs on Crenshaw Boulevard and uh, different areas in L.A. And let me tell you something. Wow. That is a, a whole, that's the under-underbelly where people have guns visible on their body. And it's crazy. But 
I I've been around death a lot. That. Thank God I don't know about uh, that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't for you, man. It wasn't for you. No, <laughs> it's, it's it's a scary spot. But you know what it is? It's all it's all desperate people, and I was one of them for a bit. Uh, desperate, unhappy, angry, and also you know having all different kinds of addictions. And they're all there for you. Look, they know what kind of bounty to put out. A nice restaurant sets the table perfectly to enjoy your meal. And after hours, or somebody's house after one or two o'clock in the morning. They know what to set out to make you feel happy and thinking you're in the right spot. But now, you know, what changed me, I know you, you went through hell to, to change yourself mm-hmm. to find a better avenue. I, I used to keep it as a badge of honor that I was going to die at 40 or I'd never make 40. I really thought that you was You honestly cool. thought that? I, I used to proclaim it to my friends. Like, my family didn't want to hear it, but I'd say, I'm going to go out before I'm 40. That's where I want to go out. And at my 40th birthday, I was literally driving it. Two o'clock in the morning, and and my phone rings, and it's a beautiful girl. She's an actress in this town. I won't mention her name, and she's singing me "Happy Birthday" on my 40th birthday. And I'm driving the car alone, and this girl was dating George Clooney at the time. And I said, wow. "You know what? If somebody can call me, me, and be with George <laughs> Clooney and wish me sing to me, happy." I said, "No, I'm going to live. Life's getting good." And then I <laughs> met my wife. I had my daughter, and suddenly I said. I'm no longer allowed to die. Once you have a little kid, a little baby, you you can't leave. You can't check out. You can't live recklessly. So that no, saved me. No. For real. Unbelievable. But you've really seen it all. I mean, when they say you can't stay, you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, and the lights would flicker <laughs> at the place. People honestly would congregate in the corners, and it's like, where's the after party? Whose house are we going to? And now I look yeah. at that, and God, you know, I went, I was, Went to UCLA, a lot of actresses here did not. A lot of people are transplants that come from somewhere else. So they come from, you know, planet Utah, here, there, or wherever. And they reinvent themselves into what they believe the Hollywood creature is supposed to be. And I was already here. So I grew up here, born and raised here, fresh princess of Bel Air, we like to say. And uh, it's one of those things that even though I was in that world, when they said you can't go home, you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I, my parents really instilled in me that nothing good is going on after 2 a.m., nothing. And yeah, they would make true. me call them. And I would end up at Jerry's Deli or something a little bit more, a little bit right. more tame when you were probably yeah. with these gun-toting people in these after-parties and houses. And it wasn't until I was 37 that something happened to me. But when I look back, I honestly, mm. like, looking back on Lana's case almost a decade ago, and, oh, and I think, you know, it, but for the grace of God, there go I. It's so easy for something to yeah. happen, wrong people to be involved, those are the places they yeah. gravitate to. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be that. I mean, young girls come from anywhere, and young men as well, and who come here really disillusioned. And I don't like to discourage people from their dreams. I always say don't give uh-huh. up your day dream rather than your day job. And you should have your yeah. dreams. You should have all of that. But I think it's too many people who want the same thing. And it's just not possible. I mean, what do you think? What do you think about that? There's well, so many. Well, the, 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 the scary thing, you're right, 100% right. But the scary thing is there's a lot more avenues to find fame, quote, unquote, than there used to be. When we jumped on the scene 20 years ago or so, there was TV, there was movies. That was it. And that was enough. That was enough people chasing the same goals. Now you've got such an immediate explosion, programming explosion, Netflix, Hulu, the internet, I mean, it doesn't end. That You can find that measure of fame and fortune you want, and that's created an influx of people from all over the country that, and parts of the world that really reinvent themselves in L.A. There used to be a time where South Florida, mm. I'm an East Coast guy, and South Florida was the place you went when you kind of outlived your welcome in New York and you wanted to kind of live kind of an edgy lifestyle. South Florida was the spot. Hollywood has mm. taken that mantle away it isn't Florida anymore. And as a West Coast guy now, I can tell you, you know, there are places you go in this town where you really are serious about working, and there are places you end up because you just want to be part of the scenery and hope that you make it because you're pretty enough or cool enough. Mm-hmm. Those people don't survive. And I've been part of, like, films with younger people or, or some of these projects that they have on the Internet in its early days. And I see these young kids. So thrilled. And I'd already been up the ladder and down the ladder in this town. And I would hear them talk. Yeah. I'd come home and tell my wife, I can't be around all this fake positivity. These kids have no idea. 
that they're going to walk into, oh. a, 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 you know, an airplane truck propeller and just cut them up. But you've got to yeah. have great parents. You've got to have good people around you. And you're lucky you did. Uh, a lot of yeah, I did. Don't. A lot of people come, you know, a lot of people come here and they're guided by a lot of uh, unguided souls. And that's a disaster. Very true. Very true. And I like the way you put it, a helicopter propeller, because, you know, the old saying is Hollywood can, can chew you up and spit you out. Yeah. Some people don't realize mm. they're in the process of being chewed up. I mean, the amount of clients yeah. I have, I, I with a lot of entertainment clients as well, some who are celebrities and some who are not that I have in treatment for therapy and counseling, that uh, some are at the very, very top. And, you know, they can't leave their house, so I have to go to them for, to, to give them counseling. And then, uh, and then I have some that are just starting out, they're in their first few years, and they get into that darker side. And they, some have the guidance, mm. but their parents can't control them anymore. You know, they're too old. They can't know what to do. Right. And but right. they're still so young and that it's so dangerous. It's a dangerous combination to be 20-something and think you know everything. Yeah. And I, I went you know, that, uh, yeah. I were going to bring me in. Some don't have it. You know, well, the thing is that now there are also people who, who have parents, and this is about a lot of people from out of the country. A lot of these parents are funding their children to stay here in America, to stay in Hollywood, to focus on a career, and that's just not the way you make it. No one, I mean, there's very few people who make it who are from a wealthy, wealthy background. Trust fund kids don't become movie stars. They become crappy reality stars if they're lucky mm-hmm. and if they want to just... But the Kardashians are the latest example of how dangerous this whole thing is because it was bad enough or dangerous enough just to be an actor or an actress. Uh, the reality mm-hmm. star level is crazy. People are dying left and right. And, but the Kardashian level and what's happened with, with showing your lifestyle in this, in this arena, it's it, that people don't think they have to do anything, but acquire a lot of stuff and do a lot of stuff. And suddenly we all want to be around them. And that's not it. You want to spend your life. You want to spend your time with people of substance and, I wish these people knew that we're looking at them as a car wreck and not as a, a car show. It's a completely different appeal. And, and girls True. are more important. Than, I mean, girls are more, it's more dangerous for girls than ever. You come from a, a well-grounded background, but, you know, there are a lot of girls, and I, I think I said this to you one time, and somebody told it to me. I didn't come up with it, but whenever mm-hmm. a dad is gone, like Brittany Murphy, the story on Case Closed, you know, she ends up marrying a, a worthless guy who was a hanger-on, Simon Monjack. Her dad was away wow. for years in her childhood. And you know what happens? You know, when dads are not around or they're not present, which that's what you got to be is present. If they're not, mm-hmm. it, it, it creates like a fault line. It creates a little, it creates a problem. And down the road, uh, these, these people suffer for it, and they end up marrying the wrong guy or being around the wrong people. And that's what happened with her. And that's a, that I've seen so many Britney Murphys uh, that didn't make or have mm. yet. And they, they're just with the wrong people. And, uh, and a lot of them have on. parents pushing it. A lot of them have parents that yeah. are really pushing it, too. And, I mean, I, I've got to say, I enjoy the Kardashians. I think uh, the younger ones are who I worry about, the, the Jenner girls, because I feel like they, they, they grew up in it. The others wanted it, yeah. and I enjoy it because I know they're enjoying it. And I like watching them enjoy it so much. And um, and I haven't seen any of them do anything that that they've demonstrated really no, no, poor judgment not, or that was terrible. That. It, it, it's not that no, none of them do anything terrible. No, I don't mean that. They all they all have taken their turn. Chloe the most in saying and doing some irresponsible stuff. But I'm I've been on TV long enough to know it's not always that simple to always act perfect. You, there are bad moments that you have, but what they're doing now is it, true. It's just this celebrity suck up to me attitude and put yourself on a pedestal and shove a camera in a mirror and take selfies. I mean, what is the, I, I, Kim Kardashian is stuck now. Like a lot of people in this town are photographing themselves endlessly and meaninglessly. So people can, can, can go at her feet and, and just proclaim her a goddess, but there's nothing of substance behind it. <laughs> okay. She has a business. True. Paris Hilton had a business. I grant them that, but you, you can't, every girl now, not every girl, many, many kids and mainly women, young girls think they can take a picture in a bikini or even get more suggestive. And that's just horrible. That sends a horrible message to men, to boys on the prowl, to the industry. Mm-hmm. If, they, if you're showing yourself as I'm for sale, I'm photographing myself like someone photographs a beautiful car on a wet driveway. I'm going to do the same thing to me. Well, how do you expect this to treat you? 
not us, but the, the, the town in general, the industry in general. You want right, to go in right. hard and put away wet? You know what I mean? Hey, and it sends the wrong message not only to the young men, but to other young women that are coming behind them because this Insta society, I want to talk about that when we come back from the break, that there's sort of a, mm-hmm. an Insta society with Instagram, Insta fame, Vine, YouTube, all of it. And a lot of it lives yep. in my high rise. So, <laughs> so we'll have to talk about it. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with AJ Benza. We go through all kinds of challenges in life. How we deal with them is a different story. If we carry them on our shoulders, we can experience health problems, relationship issues, and other negative aspects these challenges can pose. Jeanette Abney's Precious Predicaments is here to help you pick up and sort out the pieces through education and encouragement. You don't have to live in fear and pain. Let's find solutions together. Precious Predicaments is heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to do all of those things that you always said you'd do in your life. What's stopping you? Is it other people, your environment, fear? What could give you a push? Tune in to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. Our show is all about taking risks and turning them into positives and personal gain. We'll help your inner voice speak up and get you out of that comfort zone. Raising the Bar can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're all living in the moment, but you never know when life is going to take a unique turn. It doesn't have to be a challenge, but perhaps more of a detour to get where we need to be. On The Sky's the Limit, host Karen Levitt knows that experience, having faced it herself. Learn about her journey from a life-changing event to where she is now. Her guests are amazing people who are living these experiences and overcoming obstacles. Learn from their stories every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. If you'd like to connect with Danielle, feel free to send an email to therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. That's therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, we're back. We're on The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney, and we're speaking to A.J. Benza right now. A.J., if you wouldn't mind, before we get back into talking about some of the things I really want to get into, would you throw out mm-hmm. what your Twitter handle is in case people want to argue with you on there? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fine. I, I accept all, all arguments and any kind of father. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's Real A.J. Benza. It's very simple. Uh, real A.J. Okay, Benza. I, actually, when the Real Channel promotes the show, uh, that air Saturday night at 10 o'clock, case closed. But they, I live tweet during the show, and I've gotten a lot of I, – I speak – well, I don't have millions of fans, but the fans that do react, I spend the whole Saturday night tweeting back, and I really like that interaction with folks. Uh, good. So I'm having a great time with it. Yeah, it's good. Good. I love it. I'm at it's, – I'm, it's Danny Delaney on Twitter, so D-A-N-I, Delaney, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y. Uh-huh. And then my website is uh, – Danielle Delaney Counseling, C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G dot com. And my email for this show is 
the real deal with Danielle at gmail.com. So let's talk a little bit more about, um, about this Insta society that we're in. I mean, I enjoy Instagram. I have a great time on there. It's kind of like Pinterest and Facebook had a baby. So you've got right. photos, you've got people moment <laughs> to moment checking in where they are, but I really like the artistic quality of it and that pictures can pop and then you find out what, what words are underneath the picture and, Sometimes it drives me to pages about uh, narcissism and sociopathy yeah. and different things that I study and that I want to call attention to for some clients. And I send them these, you know, these little links and all of it, and it's fun. But there's a dark side to I, it, too. I, I, enjoy, yeah. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it, but I, gotta, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm kind of new to it, maybe like the last year. And really what I lament is that what's gone in society, what's gone in families, is the photo album. There's no more photo album underneath the coffee oh. table or in the drawer that you pull out and you look at pictures and you all smile and giggle. Now it's your phone and now it's Instagram or Facebook. So I, I treat those entities as my photo album. And if you don't want to see my kids, <laughs> the hell with you. That's what I use it for. And I use it for myself. <laughs> I, relive my, I, I like to relive my youth. I just posted a picture today on Instagram. And I tell you, my daughter's going to be 12. She's on Instagram and she follows me and vice versa. And here's where it becomes not a problem, but where you got to be careful. You know, I was a huge flirt. My wife knows that I've dated a million girls. A lot of them I'm friendly mm-hmm. with, like yourself. So I'll mm-hmm. pop on Instagram, like a picture of you, and say something not terribly wrong. But if your daughter runs across it at 11 years old, she might think, why is my daddy talking to that girl? She has no clue that I lived like 15, 18 years ago. And, and the other side of the coin is, when I, when I took her to a fair last week and I spent an hour with her on the rides, she wanted to meet a couple of classmates afterward, and the boy that met her was a nice kid. Uh, and I go home and I look on Instagram later, and he's on a roller coaster with her, and they're not doing anything wrong, but I just said, wow, this is going way too fast. Like, suddenly my daughter gets to know about my past, and I get to have a glimpse into maybe her future. Is that the boy she'll like? Is that going to be her first boyfriend? I don't think we need to know all that, but we can't turn the clock back. It's here. No, it's here. And I, I, I don't have children, so I can't even imagine. I have nieces, oh, and that's what first got on MySpace back when they were 12 or something, and now they're in their 20s. But I thought, <laughs> I'm going to go on MySpace and kind of you know, create other identities and go on there and friend them and see what they do. Are they talking to men on there? Right? <laughs> and I tell my sisters, I'm, I'm stalking your daughters on there because they're my nieces. And I'm going to watch out for Kelsey and Annalisa. And my sisters were doing it too, but they weren't on MySpace. My sisters were not. They're older than I am. So I was oh, yeah. into that culture. I did it just to watch what, the, what these kids that I love were doing. And they stayed very safe. But I do find yeah. it surprising. For one thing, I mean, I'm on Instagram, by the way. I'm, I'm Danny Delaney on Instagram. It's Danny Delaney, D-A-N-I, Delaney, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y. And follow me mm-hmm. on there, anybody who wants to, because I have fun with it. But I found yeah. it startling with Facebook and MySpace how much information these kids will oh, write about themselves. Yeah, about where you can they find are, out the newest thing doing. is. Did you know? Did you know you can find every picture that your wife or boyfriend or girlfriend has ever liked? There's a yeah. setting. If you know what you're doing, you could just go in. If you were my wife and we just got, we've been married 20 years. And I wanted to see if you liked any suggestive pictures of guys. I mean, girls do the pictures more than guys do. But isn't uh-huh. that, it's just getting very dangerous now. It used to be it's a safe dangerous. spot where you can kind of – very dangerous. and very, Not that it's anything wrong. If, look, if a girl I dated 20 years ago wants to post a picture of her from 18 years ago where she still looks phenomenal in a bikini, I'm allowed to say I like that picture. No big deal. But, but you have to explain yourself to your wife. <laughs> you have to explain yourself to yeah, somebody. Well, you know, you got, if I were it's no different than looking at a pretty person walk down the street. We're all allowed to turn. You know, it's okay, but it's a little off the subject. But the point is that these modes of communication <laughs> are really all arenas for, for the younger generation. We're just on these things to keep up and to maintain our businesses to an extent. But the kids yeah, beneath have- us are going to motor this thing into something we don't even understand anymore. We, we would just, you know, when we're 60... I mean, that's only seven years away from me, six years. And it's very scary that what these kids are going to be manning wow. and equipped. So I'm, I got to stay hip because my kids are right behind me and they're of this generation. But I said to, before the break, uh, during the break, that, you know, my son is on PS3. He's playing all sorts of games. And then a couple of months ago or mm-hmm. a year ago, we find out that terrorists are communicating to each other on these PS3s or Xboxes. And I know they're only talking to each other, but. 
it's just a very creepy. We've gotten very, Gary. what's the word? We're all kind of mixed up in this soup. We're all kind of related, and we're touching each other all the time, uh, even if it's we don't true. know who it's we are. It's in the soup. It is in the soup. It is, it is actually, it's unbelievable. There are kids that live in my high-rise. I'm in a high-rise in Hollywood. I love <laughs> it. But there's kids that live here that I don't know what they're also doing in a penthouse. Why? How can they afford a penthouse? They're right. 16. Right. And I realize there's girls lined up around the block to see who they are. And good for them, that's fine, but their parents have to be financing it. But they're YouTube stars, they're Instagram stars. And, and I only sure. find out if I ask little girls, hey, what are you doing? And what do you think is going to happen? Why are, you, why are you in a line? Because I'm curious and nosy, and I'm going to ask. And then I find out. And I think, oh, I, I know. I've seen I I know. by the pool. I thought he was someone's kid, but they're here on their own. They're like 17 or 18. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I moved out at 17 to go to college, and, and I'm 47 now. So 30 years ago on my own, I wouldn't have trusted wow. me. And yeah. I shouldn't have been trusted, but uh, I was only 17 when I started UCLA. So it is one of those <laughs> things. When I look back, if we had had these things, can you imagine? You know who I was dating in New no. York. No, when I look I at Tinder, <laughs> I see my friends on Tinder, my younger friends. My friends who are 15 years younger. And I say to them, you know what I used to do? What I used to do is I used to get numbers from girls at every restaurant, every nightclub, written on business cards or even on napkins using lipstick. And I'd go home and call them all. And whoever returned the first three or four would be my dates for the week. That's the way I ran my uh-huh. life. Now you just you could be walking down the street and, and, and go left or right with the finger swipe, and you got a girlfriend that, that night. It's very dangerous. That, that is Look, scary. That scares me. Yeah, that yeah, whole thing scares me. You know, it's like having unprotected sex. Old, like the inter- to me, the internet. If you go to all these Instagram, if you're a young kid and you're looking for fun, it's like you expect something bad to happen because if I, it's like having unprotected sex all over town and expecting never to catch anything when you constantly are dipping yourself in Instagram. Not not us, but the kids who are on the prowl. Instagram, Facebook, uh-huh. Snapchat. You're gonna come away with something that's gonna last for a long time or probably for life. You can't. Something bad is going to happen. It's not just a cheery society. It isn't. There are people with bad intentions out there, and they're stalking people. They're stalking you from those positions. They're not just happy to know you. Oh, boy. No, and and people need to be very careful. They check in. I mean, I will check in. I can say, oh, I was at the nail salon. Oh, I was having dinner at Fig and Olive. I was doing whatever. I'll generally do it when I'm gone. Because it's you got kidnapped. You got taken away. Because people saw you at a spot. Why would you keep, and I want to get in your head, you're the counselor. Why would you keep telling people where you are? Why would you have that notification on on your phone? I would not want anyone knowing where I'm going or where I'm at if I were you. Well, that's what I just said. That's what I just said. I check in when I've left because I don't want anyone showing up when I'm there. So I'm I'm usually home. If I say I was at Big and Olive, it was three hours ago. But it's um, it's generally, I've been brainwashed also to keep up. Because I need to do what other people are doing. I remember when people started posting food on Facebook, and I thought, I don't want to take a picture uh-huh. of my food. Yeah, I'm yeah, eating my food. I know. And I did it once, maybe once. And then I thought, I don't need people commenting on the avocado and on the bowl. And uh-huh. on it just thought it was stupid to me. But a lot of friends of mine are chefs, and so they do it. But everybody yeah. is posting everything. And, there's, and they're complaining about the lack of privacy or that things are creeping in. They're getting weird comments that stay with them or upset them. And I've even had people, you know, get in fights over someone putting a picture up that they oh, didn't like sure. or this, that. And it's so unnecessary that it didn't need to happen in the first place. If everybody could well, put let me, phone let away. Well, let me tell you what's going food. on on the younger <laughs> level because only because I have a daughter who's 12. But there is, you, you know, we talked about fame and people wanting to come here, the younger generation. There's settings on these uh, Facebooks or I don't even know what they're called. They're apps, but... The, the, mm-hmm. everybody, my daughter and her friends seem to want to be seen doing something. So they do dance routines. They, they, they mimic scenes from funny movies. And these are clips that last, I don't know, 10 seconds. But it seems like more than ever, there's so many kids who want to be seen and want to be seen doing something. And I don't know. In my daughter's case, I think it's just fun. But I think if you get past 18, 19, 20, there's an ulterior motive and you want to turn that into something valuable. Uh, yeah, that scares me because there's nothing of value behind that. There really isn't. That's what scares really me about what, you know, uh, and often in the case, I, I've been, I've been quote unquote famous or infamous, whatever the word verb you want to attach to me, well known. I don't know, but I've had my ups and downs in this business that it's, I mean, I've been so down 
I was driving a cab in the middle of my quote-unquote career in this town, and if people mm-hmm. only knew that side of the other that other side of the coin or the underbelly, uh, as I said in my first show, the flip side of the Walk of Fame, they wouldn't be so quick to come around and do it. Now that I'm 53, and my buddies mm-hmm. across the country or in New York became firemen, cops, whatever they just regular, modest, good jobs that hold the world together. These guys are all going to retire in 10 years with pensions, with their beautiful home. And I'm the guy with the dreams. I'm the guy that did what mm-hmm. a lot of these young kids want to do. And let me tell you, think two and three times. Talk to older people. Talk to, I don't know, maybe parents are square. But you don't realize how smart. <laughs> Talk to some older people in the business, man. It ain't, I wouldn't give it up because I like a fight. I like to have something to, to kind of chow down with. So for me, it was okay. But you got to be careful, man. And it's harder for chicks. It's harder for girls than it is for boys. Yes, it is. I think it really is. And I think that serves, your show serves as a warning. There's a couple other shows on Reels I like that kind of serve as a warning. And at first I thought, God, I'm morbid. You know, I'm watching all of these. But (laughs) some of them mirror my experience. You know, I was a working actress. I was on catalog covers and billboards and things for hair catalogs and whatever. And it was it was fun, yeah. and it's a, it's a lifetime ago to me, but I didn't mm-hmm. have the kind of celebrity that these young women and men have that can lead them. I mean, just being around it, of course, I was meeting those people, dating those people. I was, I was meeting people right. that were on the upper echelons of that, but and we have so mm-hmm. many of them in common. It's crazy, but it's just, yeah. it's one of those things that if you're not careful and you fall into the wrong crowd, or even if you don't and you're at an event and people are looking for someone to drug their drink, I'm going to do another show in about uh, three weeks about drug-assisted rape because I work with a lot of that. And, um, and people slipping things into your drinks, you know? It's like in those old movies in the old days, it was let Mickey and Mickey. It's, it's not, been going on forever. About 15, 16 years ago, I took a beautiful, a stunningly beautiful girl who was mysteriously not from this town. She came from Vegas. And I, it was an easy, it was a lay down. <laughs> she wanted to go out. I took her out. And about a half hour, maybe an hour into our we're at the Havana room up in Beverly Hills, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I never go there. I never go there, but apparently that's where some of the higher-profile actors hang out, you know, mm-hmm. like a younger girl. So she knew where to go. She just took me along as her, as her way to get in. And uh-huh. about an hour into our, I had, I had, I could drink till the cows come home. I had my second margarita, the sip of my second margarita, and I said, what the, what the hell is going on with my vision? I called a buddy. I yeah. Down here, I, and I couldn't even talk to her. I couldn't even yell at her because I was so messed up with what she slipped me. And uh, I was saved, but I ran into her at the airport about five years later, and she couldn't even look at me. So it doesn't just happen to girls. Whatever she Oh, no, it's happening to men know. here now, too. It's ab- I, I have men victims of violent crime. It happens to men a lot, more than they will admit, yeah. because it's, um, it's one of those things that they have shame about. And I have men in therapy and in counseling who have had this experience similar to what mine was, but the, the, some of the women are rolling them for their Rolexes and doing these things yeah. to, to yeah. get over on them because they have an anger at the hierarchy here and, and everywhere that, that, you know, the men are in charge. And sometimes they feel that and they are angry or it's happened to them. But it really is one of those out-of-body experiences and people who haven't experienced it. And that's why I, I yeah. do part of the counseling for that. Part of the reason is because I didn't ever have a counselor or therapist who knew what it was like other than learning about it in a book. I experienced it. And there's no shame in it. You have no control. It's like you're paralyzed. The lights are on, but nobody's home. And you can't yeah. you know what's going on, and you can't move. It's like it's the worst thing. And for anyone to think, well, it's okay because they don't remember. It's a slideshow. You do remember. And the body remembers. Oh, yeah, anyway. sure you do. Trauma. I'll tell you something. Like, I was on – I must have done the Howard Stern show about 100 times. I was a Favorite of his, a lot of my shows have been, gosh, the fights with Donald Trump. I mean, you name it. I, I have major episodes Good. in that show. And, uh, you know, Howard, who, let's face it, is one of the biggest stars in the world. He still has Absolutely. a side of him that he's just a regular guy from Long Island. And Howard's in therapy five days a week. So when I, when yeah. I was about to have my daughter, he said to me, what are you going to have? I said, it's a girl. He said, go to therapy. I said, no, I'm, I'm fine. He goes, no, listen. I know who you are. You're having a, you're having a little girl. Go see somebody. And I'm like, what? And I Good. went. And I spent about eight months with a doctor in Beverly Hills, a shrink in Beverly Hills, who it was terrific. And he taught taught me. He showed me 
opened up so much in me that I didn't even know I was pushing down or whatever you want to call it. There's a, a right phrase for it in your, your line of work. But a lot of stuff came <laughs> up, and I have to credit him as much as I credit my daughter being born. Or That was a major, major time in my life to really look at where I was and look at where I wanted to go. So thank God for people like you who were there. People have to reach out more. It's not a bad thing to, to ask for help. It's not a bad, it's a, no. it's a smart thing to do. You got to talk to people. I tell people sometimes, I've dated younger girls who got mad at me about things, and I say to them, look, when I give you advice, don't get mad. It's just, it's like the person two miles ahead of you in traffic telling you what exit to avoid or what on-ramp to get on. It's no different. I'm not trying to boss you around. I just want to help you negotiate and navigate your way through life the next year. Yeah, or it's so. guidance. You know, it's just guidance. It's guidance. And I love that you say that because, I do Skype on schedule. I do phone sessions. I often work with people who are coming out of rehab facilities. And then I also get people who find me in Psychology Today. They find me uh-huh. from my website. They find me wherever. And it is, I think it is the most commendable work that you did. And it is also the hardest work you will ever do. And you've done a lot of hard work is to uh-huh. go down deep and pull out what's been repressed and what you haven't dealt with and what hasn't seen the light of day and to actually address it. And it will, it will, completely color and drive your future and your future self will thank you for what you did then. And it, and it is now you're thanking yourself because you did it the right is, thing it is. and your daughter. And I'm not done. I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know. I don't want to ever say I'm done with it. I think there's a, I think there's a, there's something to be said for going in for tune ups. Not that we're ever running. Look, none of us are ever running perfect. You know, no, no car never has nothing wrong with the timing or the fan belt or whatever you want to say. So it's important. And this is something you know more than me, but, I've gone in for tune up, so to speak, through difficult times in my life, or even through fun times that I thought was problem-free, just to have somebody look from the outside and kind of guide me through even the good times. Because sometimes you make your biggest mistakes when you're riding high, not when you're low. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's often when people think they're home free. Actually, when, when what happened to me happened, I remember touching the window of the cab I was in, even though I was in L.A., those, those were right. the days that I used to drink, and I knew I'd better take a cab at my best friend's red carpet party. And I touched the window, and I never will forget that I had that feeling. My gut feeling was, things are too perfect right now. And oh, my life yeah. was just going oh, very yeah. well. I was excited. I was on a high. I was in the best shape of my life, which, thank God, I was able to fight for my life and win. But it is mm-hmm. honestly one of those things that I like to tell people, and I want to get into one of, some of the stories from your show before we have to wrap up. But <laughs> I think... Uh, Always go with your gut instinct. It is not wrong. And I tell people, you don't want no. to say, I knew it. You want to say, I know it. Your instincts are right. It's making sure. blink, snap decisions at all times based on data. And you've got really, to go with you it. Know, you even know what the, you're, the way, up, the, you're picking up something. The way I say it, uh, real quick, the way I say it to people is, uh, you know, you, you, you've got, if, if you have this other voice in your head, not to ignore it, if you ignore that little voice talking to you, that's the same thing as thinking you hear a, a, a smoke alarm four rooms down in your house. Wouldn't you investigate if the, if the smoke alarm is going off? So don't neglect or deny that little voice in your head. That's an alarm that's sounding. So go investigate it. doesn't make you wrong yeah. or bad, but you've got to check it out. No, red flags are red for a reason. Let's not pretend they're green. And it's that <laughs> little warning. When we ignore it, we ignore it. It's crazy because we all try to justify and say, oh, yeah. probably not. She's probably nice. He's probably nice. This might be okay. Yeah. We get that little pulling, that tug, that feeling. God, the amount of right. times that I look back in my life and thought, I thought that person had something off when I met them, male, female, whatever. And then years later, mm-hmm. there's some kind of drama or trauma that you think, I should never have let you in my life anyway. Not everyone deserves a front row seat in your life. And being you, nice to right. killed. And I think that there's yeah. a lot of stories like that. I mean, I always watched movies like Silence of the Lambs and all of that. I've just always been morbid and watched all this stuff and loved it. But <laughs> saved my life to know to make yourself human. Let make maybe they'll let you go. Beg, do everything. And it's oh my God. it's unbelievable wow. how much of that goes wow. on. Now, in closing, I really kind of would like you to say what do you think is uh, the best way to be careful? And is fame bad or is it just tough territory to navigate? What do you think? I can't. Well, I, I can't completely. Uh, raise my arm and say fame is bad. Don't don't attempt to look. Don't try to be famous. Here's what you do: stay in contact with people who generally genuinely love you, parents included, old folks that you've neglected. Go talk to grandma and grandpa. I know they can't be with you all the time, but right now with these lines of communication we have in the world, you can reach anybody that 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 has 
the wherewithal to look out for you. The other thing is just do your best work. If you do your best work, whether it's acting or writing or I don't care what you do, but if it, if it has anything to do with this town, be good at what you do because if you are, you'll end up making money and doing well. And if you don't, and if you, if you, if you chase it for any other ulterior motive, it's going to come back and not just hurt you, but possibly kill you and just run you over and destroy your life. It's that you've got to handle fame or notoriety because they're one and the same. Infamy and fame are mm-hmm. only a couple of letters apart. You've got to be careful because it can take you down as quickly as it can beam you up. And it doesn't hurt to have something in your back pocket that you know how to do because being cute is not a skill. And uh, yeah. on that. unfortunately, my parents were not going to let me not go to college, not have an education, not, but not everybody even has that opportunity. I was very fortunate. And some people right. don't have that opportunity, but they do have the opportunity to learn a trade, do something so that it's not There's just, so many more trades, we're all going to be Look, in our 40s I, and 50s at some point. It's important. When I was a kid, the only trades were, you know, there was very few trades, car mechanics, plumbing. You know, there was very few trades when I was a kid. There are so many more now. The world's open up to so many different avenues and opportunities to work. Look, if you, it's okay to dream. As a matter of fact, dream as big as you can. And I've always been the person who's followed his dreams. If you dream and you want it bad enough, I really think you'll get it. Maybe not on the schedule you want it, but you'll get it. But having something else to fall back on, don't do it like me. Don't pick another hard career like writing. I mean, I'm glad I did. <laughs> try, to pick, try to pick something that maybe you'll have, you'll be able to see the money 30, 40 years later. Uh, you got to be, I look, I, I'm not going to tell someone not to dream, but just be careful what you wish for. Because if you dream hard enough, you'll get it. But it may not be what you always exactly. want. It's a very tricky slope. And to quote all of our parents, be sensible. Just be sensible. It actually will pay off to be sensible. Well, AJ, thank you oh, yeah. so much for being here today. Thank you. I know you've only said it once, but I'm going to say it again because I love that line of yours that's become so infamous. Fame, ain't it a bitch? You know, let's, oh, let's continue it. the conversation another time. I'd love to have you back on in the future. There's not enough time in the world for me to talk with you about all the things you are so well-versed in. And uh, I just appreciate having you here today. It really has been the real deal. And uh, now, case closed. And anyone who wants to reach me, once again, that's the real deal with Danielle at gmail.com. And come back next Tuesday, 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, and we'll talk some more. Thank you so much, AJ, and everyone take care. Thank you, girl. Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to catch The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait for you to see what's in store next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.